Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? So, one thing about reading about Pee Wee Gaskins that makes me kind of, like, feel funny inside, Uh but it's also... Wouldn't it be kind of nice, honestly, to have a tiny little man? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about, like, one that can think. Like, one that was made by science, Uh right? And that it could do whatever you want. But it goes like... And it just goes like... You're just talking about an annoying Roomba machine. (laughs) It already exists. You're talking about a homunculus. Yes. <laughs> I'm talking about a homunculus. But it wouldn't be kind of cool because it'd be like a Roomba that could grip and then it could it could finger your enemies. I or guess what so. it could do is it could go shopping for you uh-huh. and it has no brain so that if it does something bad, like it shits on the bed, like when you go out to work or whatever, uh-huh. you could just mash its head in with the shovel. All right. It seems like you have some anger issues towards your dog, Wendy, but we're not going to get into that. No. This is the last. No, that's got nothing to do it's with what Wendy. what it seems like to me. This is the last podcast on the left everyone. I am Ben Kitzel staring at Marcus Parks wearing his Swamp Thing shirt. I love Swamp Thing. Love Swamp Thing as well. And then we have uh, smoking Henry Zabrowski <laughs> out there in Los Angeles. My goodness. I am looking onto the fires in the canyons above me. Yeah. And it's like Mordor. <laughs> and I gotta say, it's kind of fun. It kind of makes things a little bit more romantic. Uh-huh. It makes it because you never know when you're when the last time you make love is going to be the last. Right. And that's how, that's the line I keep using at Natalie. Yes. <laughs> like, we don't know. We don't know if this is going to be the last time and she's like we know for a fact it won't be we're miles from the fire Ooh. and I just be like just give me this <laughs> absolutely romance yeah. is in the air I, I had a dream last night I felt like Linda Hamilton is it Linda Hamilton from Terminator 2 when yep. she's staring at the kids playing in the playground as the nuclear bomb goes off that was you you were one of the kids in the dream <laughs> and I was like Henry you're burning but unlike the man who saved the rabbit I, I let you burn <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah that man I'm saved sorry. the rabbit but I tell you what I would let the rabbit cooked because there's nothing quite as delicious I was watching this chef's table, which is like the highfalutin uh, Netflix cooking show, where he just cooks on flames. He just throws like rutabagas on fucking flames, and that's all he does as a chef. I was like, that rabbit would have tasted delicious. That's the first thing that popped my head. Different take on the video that went viral for the humanitarian. (laughs) Uh, That man was being a real real humanitarian. All right. So today's episode, we are talking about the spud web of serial killers. (laughs) He's short in stature, but he makes up for it in militia. 
deliciousness, uh, Pee Wee Gaskins. Pee Wee Gaskins, who is actually, I looked it up, same height as Muggsy Bogues. No kidding. See? Watch out for him. Watch out and for it's him. All about, it's all about, if you are, if you have the bar is set that low at an early age, if you're that small, you got to try harder. Try harder. <laughs> yep, that's true. Well, Donald Henry Pee Wee Gaskins, a.k.a. the meanest man in America, was a five foot four inch redneck serial killer from South Carolina. Yeah, he was from South Carolina, <laughs> which has got a, a weird ass accent. Oh, I yeah. watch a lot of South Carolina footage. It's a lot of, well, well, yeah, well, well. It's somewhere between fancy and and touched by an angel. Oh, you know I, mean? I like that show. Over the course of Pee-wee's main killing spree that lasted from 1970 to 1975, Pee-wee put at least 13 people in the ground. Oof. However, according to Pee-wee's personal accountant, that number should be around 110. Wow. Because mm. Pee-wee's story is somewhat unique in that he is one of the few serial killers to have a full autobiography. Hmm. Whole thing was dictated to a writer named Wilton Earl, who organized the whole thing into a tight little narrative. And the book was not released by Pee Wee's request until after he had to literally climb up into the electric chair to be executed. <laughs> oh, he needed a booster seat for the electric chair. And that's where the story became adorable. Wow. It's like the Velveteen Rabbit with a lot more rape in it. Oh, my goodness. It is a, br- this story is br- full. Full, full warning. Well, you know what you're getting into with the show, but this this story is brutal. Oh, yeah. Now, this, this one is particularly bad. I love stories with serial killers who have written their own novels. And mm. this is, and I will say, Pee-wee's book. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's going to always pop I, my head. I know. I was trying to think, how do we get, like, how do I break out a Pee-wee Herman brain? Be like, did he dictate it to his chair? How, what's going on with the microwave? <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? But he, um... He wrote a very entertaining novel, very similar to Carl Panzram, where it's mm. like the, where it's not like Robert Picton's novel, which was, as you heard from the excerpt I read, nearly incomprehensible. Are you purposely calling them novels? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd so say you novels. Distance yourself so from the reality. Yeah, you're not putting this in the nonfiction category. Well, we're gonna find out as just how how reputable and how uh, how how can we bet on these narrators? Mm-hmm. What's the term? Unreliable narrator. Unreliable, Unreliable sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks to a listener whose name I lost, and they should get a hold of me on Twitter to let me know who they are, so I can thank them. I got a hold of Pee Wee Gaskin's autobiography. Mm. And unlike Robert Picton's autobiography, in which he maintains innocence, Gaskin goes whole hog. But it's more mm. like the pot belly pig because how small he is. <laughs> yeah. But no. now he might now some of the lies come from uh, him maybe exaggerating some of his uh, violent acts, right? Oh, we'll get into all yeah. that. But. Either way, this book is without a doubt the most sickening, horrifying, soul-numbing book I have ever read. This thing is like if you know the David Parker Ray tapes. Mm-hmm. Remember those? Oh yes, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I will always remember yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. That's it's when a- I said, do, "Do I do this podcast or do I not?" <laughs> uh, and that was a crossroads for me that day. I got a lot of weird messages from people saying that it was erotic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> yeah. Pee Wee Gaskin's book, it's like if those tapes were a 230-page narrative. I mean, this thing is truly an unfiltered look into a very sick mind. But Mm -hmm. it is also most likely 90% bullshit. Okay. No! No. And that is despite the fact that the book is called 
Final Truth, which <laughs> that title he also uses as his personal catchphrase throughout the entire thing. <laughs> he on. understands Hold He understands something about branding. He understands it. Pee Wee Gaskins is actually very smart. He's not like Robert Picton who is a complete dummy. He's more like, well, Carl Panzeram is more of an unrepentant maniac. He knows how to package himself. Mm-hmm. Pee Wee Gaskins uh-huh. has an innate showmanship that maybe have come from his years of being a carny. So he's the Bill Engvall as well. Oh. Here's your sign. That's <laughs> yes. the final truth. That's exactly yes. what it is. He's a blue collar comedy <laughs> tour guy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like just for an example, I'm going to have Henry read this passage from tr- Final Truth completely out of context. My Final Truth is the truth. <laughs> There's is the lie. It don't really matter what wardens and lawyers and judges and prosecutors decide to call something. If it looks like an asshole and it smells like an asshole, <laughs> it's good for only two things. Three at most. Final oh truth. My. And that's my final truth. <laughs> final He's, truth. He sounds like Ross Perot and Dave Coulier from Full House had a child or something. And that also gives you a little preview of the disgusting yet colorful turns of phrase Pee-wee uses throughout this entire book. And we will be hearing many of those colorful phrases. Okay. But even if final truth is lies, a fair amount of it is corroborated. Now, the only things that can't be checked up on are the murders themselves. Conveniently, the Mm. bodies of the people at Pee Wee said he did the worst things to were too badly decomposed to get any corroborating physical evidence. Mm. And even more conveniently, the horrific crimes that he did confess to did not, by Pee Wee's request, come to light until after Pee-wee was executed. That's so, they really gave this guy a lot of respect, <laughs> you know, by not releasing this while he was alive. We saw the same thing with Henry Lee Lucas, right? There's a weird sort of, they are so obsessed about getting the full story. I think even the cops and the judges and the lawyers in the end, they, they know that they will be perceived as heroes even more so when the crimes come about. After they've already, the monster's now dead. Yeah. Right, so now right. all of these crimes can just float around, and you can have cops point to it and be see. Like you saw this again and again in the two different documentaries I watched about Pee Wee Gaskins. These the a lot of the cops that uh, were investigating the crime were like, "This was the biggest thing that ever happened to South Carolina," and they were so yeah. excited by <laughs> the coverage they got. They're like, "CBS came down here," no. and I was like, "He killed 110 people." Right, right. If it's true, <laughs> if it's if it's true, but the whole 110 people thing didn't come out until after he was already executed, conveniently after there was no more time for follow-up questions. All right, sure. that's okay. Now, we'll be getting into more reasons why, why we're inclined to think that maybe this psychopath might be pulling our leg a little mm. as we go, but the biggest one is probably these two quotes from the book mashed together. far as I was concerned, I deserve to be the most famous inmate in CCI and the most famous criminal in the state. I think I've been cheated because I'm not truly famous as I deserve to be. That's my final truth. (laughs) That's his final truth. (laughs) Now, his daughter also quoted him as saying that they wanted a juicy book. And by God, he's going to give him a real juicy book. Why do I feel like the book is actually tangibly wet? (laughs) 
Oh, this is definitely, if this book had smell vision this is the same thing we were talking about with Henry Lee Lucas. Honestly, we're going to hit a couple of gold star moments in this series yeah. because of how disgusting this book is. And I had Marcus send me texts, various pieces of dialogue yeah. that he was reading through being like, my life is shattered right now. Henry, look at this. See how I, I live a gray, I live a gray existence. Um, but I like how he had, um, he had two daughters, one he'd call half pint and one he'd call half chicken. <laughs> That is the final truth. Wow. Well, you know, for the sake of a good story and a look into just how rich the fantasy life of a serial killer can get, we will be using final truth as our main source. But we will be making distinctions between the absolute truth and what Pee Wee said was the final truth. Okay. And that's final truth. That's final truth. <laughs> and it comes down to it. If I said it's a final truth, how could it not be the final truth? Because then, in fact, it is the final truth. And that's the final truth. <laughs> Seems like the final truth to me. Now, if by some chance his stories are actually the final truth, then this guy is a combination of Henry Lee Lucas, Andre Chikatilo, and Richard Kuklinski. Oh, my goodness. The worst of the worst of the worst. What I think is all, uh, nowadays, in modern times, I think what's important to remember, you know, we've thought we talk about how, like, you know, the serial killer is not actually the quiet one. It's always the weird one you know is coming. Mm-hmm. My big thing now is that if somebody who keeps copious journals, who is as, as a gentleman over the age of 30. I am pretty certain that if, yeah, those are people to be watched because how important are your thoughts? If you're not a published author, who cares about your thoughts? And what are you trying to do? Because it's always trying to save for after your death for something. Yeah, I tried to journal when I was in seventh grade, and I lasted one page, and then I realized I bored myself. <laughs> what, what, what was I talking? I was, I was a seventh grader for right out loud. Well, most likely Gaskins is just a mean little motherfucker oh. overcompensating, because okay. yes. that is definitely going to be a theme in Pee Wee Gaskins' life, is grossly overcompensating. Did he ever play golf? <laughs> because remember Dorf no. on golf? <laughs> remember how fun that was? Dorf on golf was technically a Tim Conway cash grab, but we can all <laughs> forgive him for that. <laughs> but that's the thing. Is it's not to say that Pee Wee Gaskins wasn't a total maniac. Bare minimum, he killed definitely 13, probably 15, and mm. plausibly 18 people over his whole life. Mm. And that's in addition to escaping prison multiple times. No, he was a fucker. This yeah. guy, like, he murdered many of his accomplices. He was a total psychopath. Mm-hmm. He was a career criminal with a hot temper that because he was five foot four, mm-hmm. he had to, uh, you know, you're in a criminal world. You, yeah. you literally, your boxing gloves are what you put on the cat to keep it, like, warm in the wintertime. You have to be able to cause a lot of damage and still look like that. Right. Little guys have to have a lot of energy, a lot of passion. David Miscavige, when we covered our Scientology episodes, little guy yes. horrifying. Yeah. Now, for a whole generation of people, even before Final Truth was released, Pee Wee Gaskins was the boogeyman of South Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, under your bed. Hey, no, sorry. I was too loud to be sneaky. I'm just a boogeyman. I'm sorry. I just like to talk. I love neighbors. People don't talk to their neighbors enough. Anyway, I'm going to wait till you go to sleep, and I'm going to eat your feet, little girl. (laughs) Well, we may think of boogeyman as Hulk and Beast, Pee Wee was anything but a Hulk and beast. At his tallest, Pee Wee only stood about five foot four inches, putting him a hair above Paul Simon, but just below Woody Allen. Oh, God. wow. What, what, a, what a duo to be sandwiched with. Pure sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Between the two of them. Yeah, so five four 
Good height for an actor. Sure. Hilarious yes. height for a serial killer. True. Yes, it is very good height for an actor. <laughs> okay, and right, I do feel it? like, in a way, I'm being subtweeted this entire time. <laughs> and I will say, of course, my personality comes a little bit from my height. <laughs> and in where and where I've done, but but you know what? Again, I've had different challenges. I've had a mugsy bugs my way through the podcast world over <laughs> and over again. I have to triple deke. Is that what he did? Well, I, the podcast world's mostly audio. It's all audio. Uh, so. They know. They yeah. know. They don't know. And they judge. Uh, Pee Wee was only four pounds at birth, and the nickname oh. Pee Wee stuck so hard, he didn't even know his name was Donald until he stood in front of a judge at the age of 13. Wow. And Donald wasn't even his birth name. His birth name, no shit. Junior Parrot. It is cute. It does sound like the beginning of an Up movie. But again, they would have they would have been a lot of problems in the development of this Pixar movie so. if they got through the plot. Yeah, Junior Parrot. Junior Parrot sounds like a great name for a band or like a cover band of uh, of uh, Jimmy Buffett. Junior Parrot Ju- with all Buff- kids. Oh, and speaking of the Parrot family, let's get into the childhood of Donald Pee Wee Gaskins. Pee-wee was born March 13th, 1933 in Florence County, South Carolina, to a single mother named Molly Parrot. Mm. That means, put together with the nickname, he was known as Pee-wee Parrot throughout his childhood. You can make fun of me behind my back. You can make fun of me to my face. You can make fun of my belt buckle, but I'll tell you one thing. You can expect a knock on the nose, and that's the final truth. And I'm a child. <laughs> I'm a child, and I am two feet Four inches tall. <laughs> Just gnawing on kneecaps. Oh, man. Now, there is some debate as to who Pee-wee's father actually was. Is there really? <laughs> Look for the shortest motherfucker in South Carolina. <laughs> no, it ain't me. Uh, sir, you are literally five foot four. Do you think maybe it's Timothy Not-Too-Tall Johnson? <laughs> hey there, hey there, hey. <laughs> I do what I want. I'll fuck without a condom. You do? Can you just uh, utter this sentence for me, sir? We'll just try to see if that's your son or not. You just say, it's uh, that's the final truth. Uh, so you want me to say what here? <laughs> that's that's the final say, truth. Do you wish you want me to say that? Do you want just to say, say that phrase? That's the final truth. Oh, <laughs> that's Pee-wee's papa right there. Pee-wee claimed that his father was a man known only as Mr. Gaskins, who ran a somewhat successful store the next town over. <laughs> but some people said that Pee-wee just heard the name, knew that it was connected to a successful guy, and made people use the name Gaskins to make himself feel big. Okay, sure. And since he was such a pain in the ass, people just went along with it. All right. Now, one thing you do have to admit, though, Pee-wee Gaskins, hell of a lot tougher than Pee-wee Parrot. Well, I know if I met a child named Pee-wee, I would assume, again, it was touched by an angel. Like, if I met a child that was still, that was it was mentally handicapped is what I would assume. Mm-hmm. Any person named Pee-wee. Sure. Um, but when you meet someone who's then a hardened criminal into their 30s and you find out their name is Pee-wee, Oof. then it becomes very frightening. Yeah. Very, very scary. Yes. Now, keeping in line with the Henry Lee Lucas comparisons, when Pee-wee was just one... He managed to get a hold of and drink a bottle of kerosene. Cool. Or so his mother says. That is like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's unlikely it was a whole bottle, but Pee Wee did suffer from convulsions until he was three, and that might mm. have to do a little bit with why he was so tiny. We had kerosene lamps in my house growing up. My mother was very spiritual and mm. very of the earth, and it smelled great. Yeah, I love the yeah. smell of kerosene. It did. So I, I understand the next step. Mm-hmm. The step. <laughs> so you just lived in a house just filled with burning gasoline? No, but my mother did realize what a bumbling uh, rhinoceros I was, and she was she was quite uh, hesitant to bring those into the home. Ben, Ben, why don't you try some of this clear liquid from the lamps and see if maybe we can slow down some of your growth? Oh, thank you. (laughs) By the time Pee Wee was five, it was already very apparent that something was wrong. He had a little bit of an animal mutilation hobby. At five years old? five years old. Jeez. He liked to pull the legs off bullfrogs, murder nests full of baby birds, and trap full-grown birds just so he could pull the heads off with his bare hands. Hmm. This was at five. Hmm. Honestly, though, he's fucking two feet tall. Yeah. This must have been like Hercules. (laughs) Like him fighting with the big animals. Like, he honestly, how big's a bird compared to a child that small? Like, honestly, it might have been even. So you're saying it's a fair fight? (laughs) Yes. So this is like. We have some crows. We have some crows here that are the size of Wendy. And Wendy won't even fuck with them. And I could see him wrestling with the crow, just being like, like him and Terry the gnome doing the same shit. It's the same actions. (laughs) All right, five years old. 1939, not a lot of entertainment. Entertainment. Definitely so not in 1939 own. South Carolina. They're still using outhouses. Hmm. But even though Pee Wee said his childhood was rife with physical and sexual abuse from a string of his mother's lovers, relatives said that Pee Wee didn't even get spankings, which was odd for 1930 South Carolina. In well, fact, do we know if he had a butt? <laughs> because maybe that's where the height, uh, maybe that's where he's losing it. That's where he lost it. Well, no, that's what they said is that, as a matter of fact, not only was he not spanked, he was treated very kindly by the whole family because of the fact that he was so cute. Yeah. Hmm. He said that he was so cute that he could get away with anything. Like, he'd be like, that's the final truth. And I said, all you got to do is give me a little bit of candy, and that's the final truth. What do you even matter, Daddy? Come on. I ain't got no daddy. I ain't got no daddy. Isn't it matter? It's the final truth, right? So, so yes, I set fire to the house. Uh huh. Uh huh. You, he would have been a child actor, perhaps a real Edward Furlong. Yeah, he might have been. Yeah, could be. Oh, boy, Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha, and it started off my day. Correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at Texas Pete 
Dot-com. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do, and the memories keep cycling, and I get emotional, and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy, and that is not sad. That is celebratory, so you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. There is one story that Pee Wee told about his childhood that even if it isn't true, at least tells you how he saw himself. Hmm. He said that when he was a kid, he went to a traveling carnival with his mom and his stepdad, a man named Hanit Hanna. <laughs> wow. I think that's wow. how it's pronounced. Like, Hanit Hanna? I think so. Hanit Hanna. H-I-N-N-A-N-T. So it's either Hanit, Hanit, or Hanant. It's got to be Hanit. Hit it. Hit it. It's got to be hit it. Hit it. From what I know about the South, you know, from growing up in a, you know, uh-huh. at least in Texas, not the South, but growing up in Texas, Hanit's probably the the most likely one out of those. It's very interesting how many of those names, especially in that weird section of that dead, the dead center of the South, like South Carolina, Alabama, how a lot of it has direct connections to our colonial days. Hmm. And you have these old school fucking names like Hynant. 
Because <laughs> that's why in my head it's hide an ant, which I think yeah. is kind of sweet. Makes them, I'm reading a lot of Conan, so it sounds like that. Well, I think they let the babies name themselves, and maybe that was its first time. <laughs> I'm like, that's in it. Well, while they were at the carnival, they swung by the reptile tent, cool. which boasted a king cobra as their main attraction. Ooh. Now, Pee Wee said that he watched as the barker took a rat out of a box mm-hmm. and dropped it in with a snake. Mm. And the barker said, a cobra will kill even when it isn't hungry. Huh. Pee-wee said that as the cobra stalked his prey, he caught its eye and threw his own reflection in the glass. Pee-wee's face lined up with the cobras as if they were kindred spirits. And in that moment, huh. he was hard. <laughs> he was he was hard. He was aroused, huh? He got aroused by that. Got very aroused by that. Oh, my goodness. My girlfriend is a centerfold and my girlfriend's a snake eating a rat. I will say it is how it, it is how you can assume you're correct about something or you feel right. It's that like it would be weird if yeah. every time something felt right, you just went. <laughs> I mean, it kind of happens for me. Yeah, I can kind of understand it. Interesting. So he had sort of he kind of merged his face like people can do with those poop emojis now. He became the snake. He became Honestly, it's the very snake psychedelic. He, that he understood something about himself in that moment. Okay. What a cool scene in a movie too, where he looks at the snake and it's just like. As the snake's face slowly morphs over his face. That fucking rocks. That's pretty metal. One thing I also wonder about the book is that the guy that wrote the book, after after about a year after he wrote it, he stopped giving interviews entirely. Why? And he refuses to talk to people. Hmm. I think the author probably juiced Pee Wee's story just a little bit. Did you watch an interview with him? Yeah, 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 I did. There's an interview with him that we watched that he said that he he seemed pretty, like, this is kind of unadulterated. I typed out as it was. I think most of he was just kind of ashamed of the content. I think he was of what got the, the kickback that came from. And then maybe he took it from Pee Wee, who was juicing it himself, and then every single time he wrote about that, like, he was proud and then it was fun. The more mm. and more we get through what he actually wrote, you're going to see just how disgusting it is, and maybe he felt ashamed. Now, even though Pee-wee got regular beatings from the kids, he still had friends. And all those friends hung out in an old abandoned shack they called the hideout. Mm. And this is what Pee-wee said they did there. We sat around and smoked cigarettes we had stole and bragged about how much we knew about girls. And we watched the older boys and learned how to jerk off or cornhole or, or fuck a sheep or a goat or chicken. And we usually ended up fighting about something because we're all so horny, you know. <laughs> Well, that's, and that's final truth. If they would have been talking about, uh, you know, pie competitions, pie <laughs> eating competitions, or, you know, how many pennies can you fit in your mouth? Well, that's how it always goes, because all the Pee Wee's stories, like, they, they kind of start off in this, like, sweet, southern, like, kind of, like, country lifestyle. It's like, you know, we all hung out at this place called the Hideout. It was this mm-hmm. fun little abandoned shack, and, you know, we smoked cigarettes, and it, like, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, they were kind of boys being boys at that time. Yeah, being And cute. then it just takes so, a left turn to them cornholing each other and fucking sheep and goats and chickens. So it's basically like if you flip through a home and country magazine, and as you're flipping, the pages slowly become cherry magazine. <laughs> and it just yes. gets more and more disgusting from there. It's like the movie, it's like the show Fixer uppers except it's about the house behind the fixer upper house uh. called like fixer slutters and you go back there and it's just like a bunch of boys learning how to cornhole each other i see <laughs> well eventually 
that group was whittled down to just Gaskins and two other boys named Danny and Marsh. Okay. It seems really strange. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> you finish this. It seems weird. It seems like all that activity would just keep a whole bunch of boys together yeah. and not sit weirdly silently in shame mm-hmm. after two of them had maybe cornholed each other and a bunch of them watched them and jerked off. Yeah. And then they have to think yeah. about what they just did. Once anyway. the haze comes, once it leaves. Yeah. <laughs> See you Monday. See you Monday. See you Monday. See you Monday. I actually might not be around on Monday. See you Monday. (laughs) See you Monday. Well, together, this little group of psychopaths called themselves the Trouble Trio. Okay. Now, at first, the Trouble Trio were a lot closer to Porky's than the Devil's Rejects. For example, first time they got into trouble was for peeping into the outhouse at church. Mm, That's where you want to be peeping. The old outhouse (laughs) at church. What boy doesn't want to see what the the old folks are doing there? Hey, Pee Wee, Pee Wee, the best part about looking and doing a little peeping into the outhouse is you can see the vagina and the dookie. (laughs) Isn't that the funnest time we've ever had? See you Monday. (laughs) I may actually not be around again until Thursday because I'm starting to think about what I've just done and what I've just said. See you Monday. Well, Pretty soon, though, they moved on to more serious crime. They'd do a little bit of burgling here and there. They'd break into houses and stores and cars for cash. And most of that money was spent on trips to Charleston, where the South Carolina ladies of the night gathered due to the nearby military base. Hmm. This is what Pee Wee said about that experience. That's how we all three lost our pussyfuck cherries. But there was something. (laughs) God, that is so disgusting. That's what he says, huh? Yeah, pussyfuck cherries. It's just the the little turns of phrase, like, because he he calls it, like, when when he has regular sex with someone, he calls Uh, it a a love fuck. uh, A love fuck. Yeah, it's just, Uh, it's so fucking gross. Every bit of it is just, like, into the mind of just, like, a gross human being. Gross. Gross human being. And he has to be so much more gross than such a five foot four in order to match a normal man's gross. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let me continue. (laughs) But there was something about them whores that we didn't like. We agreed that jacking off at the hideout was almost as good. Marsh thought the hideout was better than whores. He Hmm. liked cornhole in the younger boys, letting them cornhole him, and he liked to suck dicks. Uh, and that's the final truth. <laughs> I think Marsh was walking a different path than the I rest think of so, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, I would love to hear Marsh's sale pitch on this. Well, they're either having sex with women or going back and jerking off and staring in the eyes of their male friends. Somehow he made that be like, that's better. Hey, guys, you know how we normally meet up on Monday? I was thinking that maybe we could do sort of like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, <laughs> add two more days of the week, and just really just kind of maybe put a futon in the hideout, <laughs> make it kind of nice, maybe get a phonograph, something that we could just sit and really enjoy ourselves so we can really relax and not have to rush so much. Hmm. <laughs> okay. But nevertheless, that last statement made by Pee Wee, it shows you how he was starting to think of women. I mean, it's just mm. whores. I mean, that, that's, oh, all, yes. that's all they were. It's just something, something to be used. Problematic. <laughs> that's what I'm yes. going to say. Thank you, Kessel. I'm, yeah. I'm glad it, you said it. Yeah, it's about to get real fucking problematic Well, here. I've been watching nothing but old In Your Houses on the WWE Network, uh-huh. and there's a lot of storylines in there that are very problematic as well. <laughs> Specifically, when Goldust was in a uh, was in a feud with Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman won the match. He got Marlena for thirty days, and she was oh. forced to have sex. It was oh, horrible. Yeah. And then the like whole episode, property. Jerry Lawler sounds like Henry Zabrowski being edited out, just making jokes that are far too crass uh, for human consumption. But it was the nineties, which is my new catchphrase. It was the nineties. Oh God. <laughs> 
So when these boys were about 13, the Trouble Trio's crimes would move from regular small-town miscreant-type stuff to an act of pure evil and disregard. Mm. That year, the boys started to wonder what it would be like to have sex with a virgin. And so, all three of them lured Marcia's sister to their hideout, raped her, mm. and threatened her life if she told anyone. His own sister. Mm. Thankfully, though, she almost immediately told her mother, and the boys were rounded up by Marsha's family. And once they were caught, they were hung upside down in Marsha's backyard and were beaten mercilessly until they were black, blue, and bloody. Hmm. Woo. Wow. Yeah, now, South Carolina, man. Yeah. This now, is like they, they got theirs because they didn't go, like, because no police seemed to get involved Right. And a lot of these uh, these actions. And obviously, t- uh, you know, heinous stuff here. If it was a cartoon world, they would have been stealing radishes in the backyard. <laughs> and we got to hang them up and beat them. But my goodness gracious. Yeah, this is, it's fucking How horrific. old are we talking here? What 13. Are we, 13. They're, 13 they're, all, thir- okay. they're all about 13, 14. Yeah, and well, well, they dropped out of school when they were 11. Yeah. So okay. at this point, they were just on their own, just and, doing whatever. So they were just running back and forth, causing trouble. Right. And I guess it was normal. It was normal to see a band of rascals running around South yeah. Carolina back in the day. I would assume 11 is probably. I bet you at least half of the people drop out by that time, if not more. Yeah. Well, in yeah. the 30s, 30s, yeah. The, South yeah. South the graduation Carolina. rate yeah. in like late 30s South Carolina wasn't exactly high. No. So while a lot of us would consider go- doing the fucking beaten in addition to going to the authorities, it was decided to keep the whole thing a country justice affair, and the boys were set back loose. Mm. Now, not surprisingly, it wouldn't be long before Pee Wee would commit another heinous act. Since the Trouble Trio was permanently split up after what they'd done, Pee Wee was going solo with all of his burgles. Oh, man, and if you hated wings, you're going to hate... How Pee Wee Gaskins go solo. <laughs> oh, absolutely. What was Wings? The television the show? The Paul McCartney Project. Oh, I thought I thought about the funny yeah. show. Remember Wings? No, no, no. You thought about Which is a, Wings, is a, Wings is also a, a spinoff. Uh, no, I believe I of Cheers. Was it a spinoff of Cheers? No, Wings is Wings. No, I think Monk we, is a spinoff of Wings. No, no, no. Monk is not a spinoff no. of Well, the same character, though. <laughs> no, it's not the Fake same, news. It's the same actor. Same Fake actor. News. Well, yes, same, same actor. They just oh, don't I don't Tony see Shalou. them as care. I just see the actor as the character. It's like saying Saving Private Ryan is a spinoff of Cheers because Ted Danson is in both, mo- both Saving, shows. Saving Private Ryan is a spinoff of Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1948, Pee Wee committed the crime that would send him to a correctional facility for the first time. See, even at the age of 13, Pee Wee was already getting smart about his crimes. Mm. He said the best time to rob a house was when the family was either at a wedding or a funeral. And on that day, the family was indeed at a funeral one town over. But what Pee Wee didn't expect was that they'd left their daughter behind. Yeah, old loud Sally was always bad at funerals. <laughs> Can't have her in there because she's always like, I like to be outside. And you're like, well, this is ruining the mood. This I don't be know somber. if that's appropriate. <laughs> so when Pee Wee walked in, the girl immediately recognized him, grabbed a hatchet and started swinging. Unfortunately, though, Pee-wee was able to grab it from her, and he hit her square in the head with the blunt end, knocking her out. Hmm. Thankfully, though, the girl survived and was able to identify Pee-wee as the culprit, 
And so Pee Wee was sent to the South Carolina Industrial School for Boys, the first of many correctional facilities that he would find himself in over the years. Hmm. It was actually kind of interesting because Trent Reznor's grandfather also went to that school and taught him all of the sounds. Industrial. It's the Industrial School for Boys, Marcus. He gave you this <laughs> oh, quizzical look. Get it? It's a musical oh, reference. Oh, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> industrial music. That's, That's a good one. joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> yes. If steel beams could sing, industrial. This story came from, so he showed up when she saw him. The reason why she freaked out was because of the story about the trouble trio sister and what happened to her mm-hmm. like at, at this point peewee gaskins is building their reputation that would carry him throughout the rest of his life in south carolina as one of the meanest man in the one of the meanest men in the world and mm. so that that's kind of like he is now sort of like legend building yeah. where he's going in and being like if everybody thinks i'm a little bastard i'm gonna be a little bastard as much as possible word is spreading mm-hmm. now we know Sexual abuse was rampant in these reform schools, especially in the 40s. We know it from Panzram, we know it from Manson, and we know it especially from Gaskins. Although he may have been embellishing just a little bit, or fuck for fuck's sake, I hope he is. Mm. Uh, Gaskins said that soon after he arrived at reform school, he became the property of an older boy named Boss Poss. Ooh, that's not <sighs> good. Boss Not good. No. Not good. No. Now, while he was in Poss's thrall, Pee-wee said he was sexually abused and was regularly traded for things as insignificant as cigarettes. It'd be like if I went to jail. Like, that's why I can't go, man. I can't go. I would just be, oh, God. I would be. You're overestimating your attractiveness. I would be so, oh, come on. Look, I'm cute. I'm cute. I got a little butt. I got a cute little butt and tiny little feet. You're trying to sell yourself to the inmates right now? I'm just saying, I obviously would be a, a big, I would get a lot of affection. So, I'd get a lot of attention. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think know, they but, like you just be like, oh, I dropped my towel, I dropped my soap. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you handle it? Can you handle the bronco? Yeah. <laughs> no. Now, after about a year of that, Gaskins gathered up a group of four other boys who were also being traded, and they all escaped together. Hmm. And while the others were picked up almost immediately, Gaskins was able to navigate his way through the swamps enough to make it all the way back home. Hmm. But he was caught and brought back. But over the course of his five years in reform school, Pee Wee Gaskins escaped four times. And on the fourth attempt, he managed to make it far enough to join a traveling carnival. Ooh. God. Again, it's like it- technically all cool stories. These are all, it's very interesting to think about like this kid, like like Panzram, where like the the institutional, the institutionalization of them kind of forced them to live these sort of like Johnny Appleseed lives. Yeah. Where all of a sudden they were just in the mix in the, like just like roaming the, the, the country roads and ending up in carnivals and shit like it's some kind of old timey story. If it was an animated Disney movie, if it was like Dumbo, this would be very good, but it's unfortunately real life, and it's much, much darker than yeah. that. Although oh. Dumbo is a fairly dark animated movie. Well, luckily for Pee-wee, his former roommate and abuser, Boss Poss, had an uncle who worked at the carnival and was able to set up Pee-wee with a job as a roustabout, which are the people who set up and take down the tents and rides in each town. Can you imagine going to a carnival and trusting your fate? Your life is in the hands of this man. If you're on the zipper ride, for example, and you're up there and the whole thing falls apart, you just look at this little guy and be like, that's fatal truth. And then you're just like, what happens? You just die. Yep. Yeah, and Poss was there waiting for him. And... Yeah, they put the whole being traded for smokes and all that shit, 
put that in the rearview mirror. Hmm. And the two began oh. a decade-long friendship that ended only when Pa shot himself in the head at a funeral home after his entire family died in a trailer fire. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, good story. Oh, my. Good story. Well, that actually shows you that if anybody can figure out problems and figure out how to, how to bridge the gap, the Palestinians and the Israelis uh-huh. can come together. And I think that story should be related to them in some sure. way or shape how, or that, how did you get there? But perhaps if it could bring peace to the Middle East, it was all worth it. But long before Pa shot himself in the head, when the boys... Still just 17. They still had their whole lives ahead of them. Mm. And while they were working at the carnival, Pee-wee met a carny daughter named Mary. Okay. And about her, he said, When I was around her, I felt like a combination of a lamb who couldn't bleat and a rhino with a four-foot heart on. I begged her to marry me. You see, it's nice. I married her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What did he feel like? uh, A lamb that couldn't bleed? A lamb that couldn't bleed and a rhino with a four-foot heart on. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of of nice. In a strange, (laughs) Pee-wee Gaskins kind of way. I suppose that is romantic, I guess. Yeah, Mary became the first of Pee-wee's six wives. And Mm. this is one of the odd things about Pee-wee. When it came to his family or families, six families, uh, he wasn't, from what I can tell, physically abusive to them. Yeah, he was neglectful and ready to abandon them at any second, but even after knowing everything he'd done and even believing all of the bullshit and final truth, one of his daughters still said she loved him. Well, according, later on in life, what he did, he would travel. He had homes in different states where he'd, meet, he'd go and see his different families mm-hmm. and put in time. Mm-hmm. He actually was weirdly responsible with his family, which mm-hmm. is also very similar to Gary, Ridge, Gary Ridgway in a BTK, where yeah. he just sort of like, he had a whole other separate life where he sort of viewed this as like his side life and then he would just go and, and be around for his kids in a, in a way yeah the daughter's just like you know like, I know he done all them terrible things but he was still my daddy there it is still her daddy still my daddy I, it's the term daddy that really <laughs> kind of makes my skin crawl means a different my thing my daddy now. only did bad to other people he didn't do bad to me all half right. pint or half chicken oh. I can't read and I can barely walk but my daddy did so good by me. Well, as far as Mary went, since she had decided that she wanted to lead a proper non-carny life, oh. she convinced Pee-wee to go back to finish his time at reform school so the two wouldn't have to constantly be on the run. Ah. So what? He- <laughs> <laughs> so when Pee-wee was released about a year later in 1950, a psychiatrist who examined Pee-wee wrote a letter to prison officials, and in the letter... He strongly stressed that Pee-wee was by no means ready to be released into the world. They Mm. wrote, We consider him dangerous and also believe that he has the homicidal tendencies peculiar to a paranoid type. So this is really a uh, Dr. Loomis type, and now I can't (laughs) stop thinking about if Michael Myers was 5'4 and how different the Halloween franchise would be. It would be smaller. It's definitely like Tiny Toons Halloween. But I could also just see him... Well, I can say I respect the doctor, and I can see that that's a doctor's final truth. But I'll tell you something about my final uh-huh. truth. My final truth is I'm an all right guy, and that's final truth wow. because I just said it last. <laughs> and if he tries to say a thing after me, I'll kill him, and that's the final truth. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. 
It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. 
Uh, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like, I got this uh, Texas sage. It's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. <laughs> yeah, despite all that, that you know, the prison just said, oh, hell, he'll be all right. Okay. They just set him loose into the world. All right. So, being fresh out of reform school, Pee Wee's career options were limited, but he got his lucky break when he ran into a friend of his from the inside named the Slick Duck, oh. who got him work in the tobacco fields. <laughs> hey there, Pee Wee. Hey, what's going on? Slick. Yeah, you may remember me from my last nickname, Luby Bird. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Hey, Pee Wee, uh, you want to come with me and get into uh, the business of uh, cancer lettuce? It's what? a lot of fun. Huh. Uh, pretty soon after they hooked back up, Slick brought Pee Wee into a scam he'd been working on in cahoots with some local tobacco farmers. The two would steal harvested tobacco from a barn, burn it down, burn the barn down to mm. hide evidence of theft, and then sell the tobacco upstate. And there's nothing as cool and as satisfying as the smoke coming off of those delicious Ooh. South Carolina tobacco Ooh. leaves. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to see this business just try to uh, be sold on Shark Tank. <laughs> so we burn it down. We, ta- we steal it, we burn it down. We sell it. And in the process, the owner of the barn who paid the boys to do it would get a cut and a hefty insurance payout. Okay. So that guy was getting paid twice. Money on top of money. But pretty soon, the slick duck got picked up along with one of the landowners. Ah. That happens. That'll happen when That's you're the happens. slick duck. Yeah. <laughs> Which it seems like a, it'd be difficult to pick up slick duck. It does, yes. <laughs> well, now that the old landowner had gone away with slick duck, a new landowner came in. And with the new landowner came the landowner's daughter. Mm. So one day, as the daughter and a friend were walking by Pee Wee while he was working, they gave him a little bit of sass. Just a little bit of sass. Nothing okay. too terrible, just some sass. And in retaliation... Pee-wee lost his temper and hit the girl twice in the head with a ball-peen hammer and cracked her skull open. Again, she didn't die, but for the crime of assault with a deadly weapon, Pee-wee got five years. Okay. What's he doing walking around with this ball peen pe- hammer? Is he, he was fucking working. Mario? <laughs> yeah, he just I don't know. Like he's, he's Mario. He's he sounds tools. like he's got like a tool belt. <laughs> you'll you'll like notice bunk. all the smaller buildings. I made those. I, <laughs> I made, made every those. small building around here. <laughs> the thing was is that by now, Pee Wee was an adult. So he went straight to state prison. Okay. Probably where he belongs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. And now as bad as reform school was, it was... Nothing compared to what Pee-wee was going to have to go to in actual prison. Mm-hmm. For the first few weeks, nobody said a word to him. And Pee-wee said the purpose of this was to make new meat, as new prisoners were known as, scared and unsure. So they'd pretty much accept whatever fate befell them once the shoe dropped. Uh-huh. 
And that shoe came in the form of a prisoner that Pee-wee said had biceps the size of his thighs named Arthur. The only normally named person here. <laughs> yes. And that is almost scary now is that he yeah. didn't have a nickname. Right. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> See, Arthur was what Pee-wee called a power man. Now, I couldn't find any documentation or literature that even once mentions the word power man in regards to prison hierarchy. Mm. It could have been something that was specific to that one South Carolina prison, but Pee-wee could have also just made it up. Uh, he's like an unofficial boss. He's like an undercover boss. He's like a <laughs> he's like a, a some kind of undercover. He's a boss. He's a he's a power man, and that's the final truth. He's got the power, and he's a man in power. He's a power man. All right. Now, at any rate, once Arthur claimed Pee-wee, he went from being new meat to being a nobody, meaning he was now Arthur's boy for Arthur to do whatever he pleased with. Oh, that's not good. Now, naturally, this was a situation that Pee-wee wanted to extricate himself from. He figured that the only way out of being the property of a power man was to become a power man himself. A little power man. Little power man, but still a power man. Okay. And hmm. that was the motivation behind Pee-wee's first successful murder. Hmm. Pee-wee looked for the biggest, strongest, most feared power man and found it in the form of a violent psychopath named Hazel Brazel. So far, the meanest people have been named like it's a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> and that is it. I, it makes me very scary. I, would never like, I don't like all the rhyming. If someone has a rhyming nickname, it's very bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, apparently if uh, you called him Hazel, he'd kill you. Really? Yeah. Uh, so go with Brazel. Uh, go with Brazel. Okay. Everyone called him Brazel. All right. But since Pee Wee was so small... He had to be a little sneaky about it. I would assume so. Couldn't help it. <laughs> he went into a pie. He oh. baked himself into a tiny little pie, and he popped out, funny. stabbed him in the throat. Uh. Now, over the course of a few weeks, Pee-wee ingratiated himself into Hazel's crew, bringing hot-cooked meals from the kitchen where Pee-wee worked into Hazel's cell. Okay. Hey there, Brazel. Is it Brazel? I made here a nice yes. Pee-wee special. It's mm. called... Oatmeal. You like it? I love it. You're bigger than I thought. Yeah. Everybody's big to me. Yeah. Now, on the fifth or so go-round, Pee-wee managed to slip a knife from the kitchen into his pocket. Now, Pee-wee was preparing himself for a tough fight, even with the knife, especially since Hazel usually had at least two guys guarding him at all times. Wow. But luckily for Pee-wee, one of the guys was elsewhere, and Hazel was taking a dump, oh. naked. Oh. <laughs> oh, you mean they're wearing full like prison overalls? Yeah. So it's like yeah. wearing a onesie now in the hipster and the hipster apparel line. Right. We have to get totally nude to take a shit. Dumping nude. Okay. Well, Hazel's man at the door asked if he should send Pee Wee on in, regardless of the fact that Hazel was taking a dump. And according to Pee Wee, Hazel farted real loud, grunted, and said, "Yeah." Let the little piss ant in. And Pee-wee then walked up to Hazel, pulled out the knife, and stuck it in Hazel's neck. Oh. He then pulled it across towards the Adam's apple and opened up Hazel's throat all over the floor. Hmm. And just like Richard Speck, Pee-wee said after the kill, he didn't feel nothing much at all. Brazel died doing what he loved. Taking a dump? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I hope to do the same exact thing. It's a king's death. Yeah. It's Elvis Presley set the precedent. Each one of us is going to at least have a heart attack on the toilet. Oh, I sure. I know for a fact. Not Marcus. Marcus is not going to. Marcus is going to get into a car wreck or someone's going to hit him with a club somewhere. Kissel and I are going to both die of some sort of heart-related problem. I can't and wait. And it's going to be someplace that causes stress. Yeah. 
Now, Pee-wee was obviously charged with murder, but he was able to plead it down to manslaughter. And the sentence ran concurrent with the one he was already serving, so his only real punishment was three months in solitary. Oh, okay. And for him, that's a lot of room, yeah. But when Pee-wee got out of solitary confinement, he found... He was finally a power man. He's a That's power man. He just had to murder one guy while he was taking a dump, and now he's a power man. He mugsy bogged his way into being a power man. I you gotta work so. harder than everybody else. I guess so. Well, things went pretty good in prison for Pee Wee after that, but in 1955, he got some bad news. Uh oh. His wife, Mary, was divorcing him. Oh, Nobody fucking wow. sticks around anymore. <laughs> she this stuck around for I'm a so- long, long time, <laughs> considering. About five years, yeah. <laughs> so Pee-wee decided he better get on out of prison so he could patch things up. Oh, yeah, it's like a Hallmark movie. It Honestly, is. this is yes. all like a really fun Hallmark movie. Pee-wee's home for Christmas, <laughs> but, like, nobody wants him here. But in order to do that, he had to escape from prison, and he found an absolutely adorable way to do it. Since Pee-wee was a power man, he was able to call in a few favors, specifically in the garbage disposal sector. I once brought them a really nice, ugly boot. (laughs) And they love me now. So since the garbage cans were relatively small, prison officials figured there was no way a full-grown man could fit in one. So they never checked them on their way out. But they didn't account for Pee-wee. Oh, my goodness. It reminds me of Dirty Work with Chris Farley in the land of the skunk. The man with half a nose is king. king. (laughs) Pee-wee used his garbage connections, stuffed himself down into a garbage can under a whole load of prison trash, and rode a truck right outside the prison walls. Honestly, this is is like a South Carolina Jerry Maguire. Like, he went all the way. He was like, I hid in a goddamn trash can for you. I I covered myself up with apple cores. That's what I did. (laughs) And as soon as they got far away enough from the prison, Pee-wee burrowed his way out, Uh hopped off the truck, and went on his merry way. Okay. Oh my God. Like oh fucking my. Heathcliff with a fucking yes, fish boat, fish skeleton on his exactly. head walking out. Oh, man. But by the time he finally got out, he decided he'd better leave Mary B. Mm-hmm. So he returned to the carnival. Pee-wee was still aroused about, but every once in a while they put him in charge of the Ferris wheel or the octopus ride oh. when the owner was too drunk to safely operate him. Very good. Responsible. This is a great, yes, great carnival. But this stint in the carnival would gain Pee-wee something else besides a wife. This period of time is when Pee-wee says he learned his main criminal trait, stripping stolen cars. Oh, okay. His mentors and partners in this business were a husband and wife duo who ran the girly show. I think if he was around in the 90s, he would have stole a lot of compact discs out of Nissan's. Remember I those think so. Con- the compact disc players? Uh-huh. Those were uh, constantly stolen. He, he would have been the guy who lied at Pogs. Yes. <laughs> well, pretty soon, Pee-wee had real money in his pockets, but he did also pick up another wife during this time. Okay. But this one was not found at the carnival. Her name was Junie Alice Holden, but the marriage just lasted a whole three weeks before Pee-wee got bored and returned to the carnival, okay. where he met and became romantically involved with a sideshow performer named Betty Jean Gates. Hmm. And this yeah. is another true story. This actually happened. This is great. 
Betty Jean was a contortionist who went by the name Zena from Zanzibar. <laughs> of course you would be from Zanzibar. Yeah, yeah, right yeah there in South but Carolina. It's, but it's not Zanzibar. They didn't even spell Zanzibar with a Z. They spelled it with an X. Okay. They Zena also with could, an X, Zanzibar with an X. Cool. And they also could have spelled Zena with a Z. And they yeah. could have spelled Zanzibar with a Z if they wanted to. Sure. But they made them both X's. Okay. <laughs> Why not? And as soon as Zena from Zanzibar saw Pee Wee, she knew she had a mark. After a short time together, she told Pee-wee she needed money to bail her brother out of jail in Tennessee. Mm. So Pee-wee, with stars in his eyes, stole a car and took Zena on the road. But when they got to Tennessee, Zena explained that she could, couldn't go to the jail herself because she was wanted for forgery and larceny in Tennessee, accessory to armed robbery in West Virginia, Grand Theft Auto in Kentucky, burglary in Virginia, uh-huh. and armed assault in Ohio. Now, I'll tell you one thing, Zena. I liked watching you touch your feet to the back of your ears. That made me just feel like I was a randy goat, just filled with lava. The lava was shooting out of my pecker. I'll have to write this down. I have to come up with a better term of phrase for how horny I am. But um, you could have filled me in on some of the shit I was about to run into. Now, I've done a lot of fucked up shit, as it is. But my shit's on the table. I am on the run right now. It's never good when your rap sheet can be uh, on a scroll. <laughs> yeah. Now, in addition to paying Bell, Zena also asked Pee Wee to deliver a carton of cigarettes to hold her brother over until he was able to post. Hmm. So Pee Wee took the money and the cigarettes and did as he was told. Only thing was, the brother was actually her husband, and hidden inside one of the cigarette packs was a razor. Oh. And by the time Pee-wee got back to the hotel, the husband had used the razor to escape, Zena had stolen the car, and the police were waiting. Well, I'll tell you what, joke's on her. Now I could take these lifts out. I was never five foot five. (laughs) (laughs) And so Pee-wee was sent back to prison, but because he'd taken a stolen car across state lines, the crime was federal, Uh. so Pee-wee went off to federal prison in Atlanta, where he had a much better time than state prison. Okay. Loved federal prison, because there, Pee-wee says he met and became friends with a group of guys he called the wise men. (laughs) But we'll get into that. In part two of Pee Wee Gaskins. That's it already. Wow. That, that went by fast. Oh, no, yeah, man. Oh, my goodness. So what a strange tale this Pee Wee Gaskins story is. Very odd tale. Now, this is, you got to respect a short man. you got to try and respect a short man. I know that, it that's your takeaway of this whole thing? I, think. I have a feeling you, you're, you're projecting a yeah. little bit here. Yeah, and I don't think we need to respect Pee Wee Gaskins. Yeah, what is no, wrong of course with you? Not. He's How obviously this? done terrible things. He's a bad example. But I, as a person, when I was a part of, when I got lumped into, because you know how oh in my, LA he's going to make this about himself. He's absolutely, this is, of this is where Henry make makes this about himself because he happens yes. to be lacking in height. <laughs> but I saw in LA they have those um, clothing shops for men of the five feet eight and under persuasion. <laughs> yes, yes. And it was called like petite treats. Petite treats? <laughs> Something like that. I went into a Rochester big and tall when I was in Los Angeles, and the uh, woman that was working there, her eyes bulged. Uh, she was so excited because, like Pee Wee, she saw a mark. Uh-huh. Uh, and indeed, I did buy a lot of clothes. Yep. And uh, Los Angeles, I'd imagine the five foot eight business does a lot better than the Rochester big and tall. I am sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a town full of small people. I just met a group of agents. And all of them are smaller than me. And I was like, and they all have like tight little suits, like you'd put on, send like, but you'd put on a dog. Like you'd buy the same suits for an agent that you'd buy for a fancy dog, where they're just made for like five foot five people, tiny little, like big chests. 
little Doug the Pug. By the way, I did get contacted by Doug the Pug's people. They, what? they DM'd me because I put out a put out a tweet saying I think they're overworking him, and they assured me <laughs> they are not overworking Doug the Pug. They said he only works one percent of the day, okay. if that, and That's he's good. the most taken care of dog on earth on good. the earth. So Doug the Pug is fine. Well, I think uh, this is it's a travesty. I think the Pee Wee Gasson story is terrible. I'm going to put that out there. Yep, I think that that's safe to say. Um, all right. Well, we got more Pee Wee Gaskins to come. How many do. parts do you think this is going to be? This will be three. A three-parter. So yeah. Episode uh, 298, 299, and 299.5. I think that's perfect that's for Pee Wee. <laughs> he deserves hey, a point five. Because <laughs> you're gonna, three we have something episodes. special planned for episode 300. Yeah, so we we're not giving it to you yet. And no, what we've we learned now previously, the facts do not matter. Yeah. Numbers do not matter. We yeah, can just say whatever the name of the episode is or whatever the, the number of the episode is, and it doesn't yep. matter. Yeah. I mean, but 300 episodes, we're getting there. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? Huh? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's oh, probably, I thought. Yeah, it's probably more like we're already probably at like 305. But Oh, yeah, yeah of course. It's fine. It's all good. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all. Let's see. What do we have to announce? Well, we have some T-shirts. Uh-huh. What's going on with that? So you can check those out on the merchandise space. Is the represent thing still going on? Uh, I think. Try it out. If you if this comes out in time, please try to buy it. Hail. It's the represent.com slash hail Satan. You can get it without hail Satan. Yep. Um, and we it's did very realize- comfortable. It is very comfortable. We did realize uh, that uh, it ships a little bit late. So next year when we have a Christmas shirt, <laughs> we'll, we'll get it out so you can actually wear it at Christmas. Uh, we, 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 um, it's all, it's all a work in progress. That are not very good at business. I want to <laughs> say that I think that you listen to a lot of podcasts that have their quote-unquote shit together. Uh-huh. Um, and we do up to a point where we, our main goal is to create a really good show. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Where we're really bad at is the constant merchandising of yes. the weird catchphrases that we're supposed to sell uh-huh. and the ideas and characters that we're supposed to sell. We're not very good at that because... Right. I, I don't know why, because, because we were never supposed to be. Yeah, no, we're, we were never supposed to be good at any of that shit. We're, we're, all we've been focused on for many years is putting out the most uh, quality, high-quality show that we possibly could. There so all the rest of that stuff kind of tends to be a little difficult. The high this show has not changed. We have run by the same three idiots that have been doing <laughs> the show since the very beginning. And also, I know there's been some changes to Patreon as well. Yes. I'm yes. not actually sure. I got an email. I don't know what to do. I understand if this fucks with you, the amount of money you're willing to give. Whatever. The, of course, like we're not. Gonna, it's like mostly yeah. just kind of give what you can. We're going to stay doing the show the same way we've always yep. been doing the show. And it would be really nice if you continue to donate. And we're incredibly thankful Grateful. to Absolutely. everyone who donates. Sauce. Yeah, there's we a lot nothing, of weird. We had nothing to do with the whole Patreon thing. They yeah. didn't even ask us. No. They, they didn't. They just sent it. Yeah. We just got an email just like everyone else, just like, yes. hey, we're doing this now. I'm like, ah. The whole thing fuck. is changing. There's a lot of changes going on here. And uh, so we'll just bear with it. It has nothing, but just to assure you, it has nothing to do with us. Nothing. All, at all. this nothing. stuff is much, much bigger than we are. So. Yes. All of this shit happens to us, and also a part of this, and with the net neutrality the rules maybe changing. Oh all my this God, kind of, it's like all understanding that they are they're clamping down an amount of the money that you can give directly to us as people. So a part of what Patreon, a part of what the change is supposed to be, is that we're actually supposed to get more of the money that you give. But basically, what it is is that then they charge you more. So yeah, it's, very, it's whatever it's, it is you want. And so again, it's yeah. whatever it is you want to do. Just understand that. 
uh, a lot of shit's going to change with the internet because they really hate how free it is. Yep. All right, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for your support. We really mean it from the bottom of our dark, dark hearts. Uh, Keep on checking out all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Able against Top App for everything political. Page 7, Sex and Other Human Activities. You know the shows. Uh, Check them out. I just did one of those. I put my hand. You know the shows. (laughs) You know. You know Um, the shows. Follow us on Twitter at Henry Loves You at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram at Dr. Fantasty at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel, the number one. Yes. And follow us on the thing that is going to lead us slowly. Every one of the platforms that are leading us slowly yes. into chaos and to martial law at LP on the left. All of them. So I'll be fine. That's it. And I deactivated my Facebook account. Came up. I just I just put another one out there. It's called Lazy. They call you Lazy Eye or something when you redo it. So you can still peruse. But deactivate your Facebook account. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm actually going to do that today. It feels, for some I reason, didn't even know, I know you could just deactivate it. You can deactivate it. I know Instagram is also owned by Zuckerberg. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it just I don't know. It's not as intrusive as Facebook. Facebook is just awful in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I truly, truly hate it, and it's it, it is part of the the, yeah. the shit that is driving our country insane. And mm-hmm. I want to I like the problem is I just need to get my pictures off of it. That's the only thing I give a fuck about is because you have to go through and download each one individually. As you, you can, go but through. you can only, you, know, you, you can, can do also that. just screenshot them and then you keep them too. Yeah, you know you can go and download all those pictures and like you can do that in like an hour and a half. I These are the conversations <laughs> best off air. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. El Gein, be good to each other. Please. I was just I was just thinking about it because it's just I've been thinking like lately, I've been noticing like yeah. everybody's like not just like online or anything, but personally, everyone's at each other's throats. You think so? Yes. yes. Like oh. just I've noticed yes. everyone is a lot more agitated. Uh everyone is just it's just shits. Just weird right now, and so I think be more I, like Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee Gaskin. <laughs> well, I think yeah. everything's starting to get to everybody on every side. Everyone's yeah. starting to just getting really fucking tense. You add the stress of the holidays on top of that, and I think everybody's just a little more agitated than normal. So you know, all let's right. all try to take a couple, maybe t- take more deep breaths than you normally would, and let's you know try to try to be good you know, to each other. Ginger what ale. it's important to remember is that you can, if you can't change things on a macro level, right? Right now things are really complicated and it's hard to like change. You want to see big sweeping changes and a lot of shit is happening. There is a lot of changes happening, which I think are and that's, in the end they're for the good. I think that uh, the right people are getting punished and eventually things will, will equalize. But until then, like it's about think about your like home. That's yeah. the thing that makes me feel it's better. It's local. like, how can you make your you, the people, you and your friends, and the people, your local government, your people around you, how do you make sure you keep those connections strong and be vulnerable and listen to people and try to connect as much as you can? Yeah. There it is. Uh, hail yourselves, everyone. Hail me! Elgin. Um, Augustalations? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good to go? Good to go. All right, everyone, it's time for the Patreon shout-outs. Thank you all so much for your donations. You're the only reason we're able to do this show. It's DIY, uh-huh. uh, and thank you all so much. Hail yourselves. So I will begin. I want to thank Connor McBrien. Sounds like a UFC fighter. Yeah, he cool. does. Yeah. Connor oh. McBrien, uh, Christina Simon, Joe Terserick, Andy Scott, Andrew Wolf, Samantha Franks, Robert Mickelson, Lindsay Goulet, Chelsea Hoolan, Kirsten or Kristen Diesel. Ooh, also very cool. Mm-hmm. Diesel, great professional wrestler. He Nash. WCW. Not my taste, but still. No, Diesel with WWE. I don't like Diesel. I like the name Diesel, but I don't like the, didn't like the wrestler D- Diesel. What are you I didn't talking like about? Paid. No, he started with WCW and then went over to WWF. No, he started I, with WWF and then went over to WCW. Yeah, well. 
Andrew Van, <laughs> Andrea Andrea Vanderplatz. Ooh, very wealthy oh. name. Yeah, uh, I liked Bam Bam Bigelow. WCW. WWF as well. You know what? I think they had some crossover. I think they were just working desperately trying to make a living, and they would perform anywhere that allowed them to. Yes. Uh, yes. Kate Monahan, Alexander, Alexander Bill, Blue, Blueford, 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 uh, Tommy Wager or Wager, Andrew, Andrew Franks, Billy Olson, Heather Lynn, Ryan Despan or Despain, David Paisino, Paisino, James M. Fowl, Zach Smith, Carolyn Black, Melanie McKenzie, Shanna Rogers, Spencer Carlson, Katie Dole, Olivia Bailey, Lucas Nord, Sarah Thompson, Lucy Shannon. Ooh, the old Lucy Shannon. Oh. I love it. Oh. Joey Thompson, Mark Richards. Uh, that's when you uh, you know when you when you're smoking a cigarette with a friend and they they get it all wet. The old the old Lucy Shannon there. <laughs> Mark Richards. Ugh. Don't do that to her. Don't no, give I'm that not, to her. No, that's a, I apologize. Uh, Kolchak, 73. Shannon Renee. Rebecca Medinsky. Christina Drake. Brittany Ely. Brandy Edwards. Caitlin Hayes. Sarah Jones. Angel McIntosh or McIntosh. Valerie Bubian. Mar. Bubian? Bubian? Valerie. It must be uh, one of our more French Canadian listeners. Bibian. Bibian. Monica Stoll and Melanie Clark. Hail yourselves. Thank you all so much. Robert Welsh, Prue Pierce, Christy Butler, Uh Ricardo Glaze, Annalise Amaro, Amy Steele, Catherine Akana, Oliver Kiozov, Kiozov. O with the umlaut. How do you pronounce that? Is it Eo? Eh. Eh. Klerzev. Diana Fogwell. When I go into the bathroom, I fog well the stall. <laughs> Christopher Solorzano, Sean Judge, Thomas Brem, Angry Black Man, oh. Justin Lyles, Ethan Frank, Bruce Aaron Bonilla. Oh yeah, man, that's my that's my childhood, man. Shea Stadium, me out there watching Bobby Bonilla popping up. Hitting HRs. You got fucking um, Hojo. Hojo's in there, uh-huh. man. Fucking Dwight Gooden, the doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, Maggie Susek. Helen. Megan Waters. Nathan Watkins. Gina Christopher. Summer Anderson. Marina Melchus. Daniel McGuffey. Amin Contreras. Mm-hmm. Ryan Hancock. Carlin Lindstrom. Craig Bickett. Matt Spradlin. Jeff Smith. Esteban Romera Sackman. Or maybe it's my friend Doug, Doug Sackman. Oh, could be. Hi. John Barley, Pam Smeltzer, Michael Kellum, Joe Coleman, Elizabeth Farley Jr., Max Reber, Travis Stanley, Megan Montgomery, Katie Haug, Jotham Dubuque, and Emma Littlewood. All right. I got Zach. Clinidenst. Okay. Justin Wilson, hmm. Laura Carr, Stephen McLaughlin, Meadow Wilkerson, Steve Stacy, Eden Ladd, Philip Graft, hmm. Mel, Alex Ford, Daniel Maynard, Danny Paget, mm-hmm. Casey McGinnis, Madeline Foss, Aaron Ackers, Daniel Southwick, Jeremy U Turn Yeti Dick Henry. All right. Wow. <laughs> Abigail Gettner, Mer- Marijki Byland. Tococo, 
<laughs> to Coco. To Coco. Uh, you would just be, I could just see you as a a, a substitute teacher <laughs> in, like, in New York, like somewhere up in Elmhurst, like Ma, trying to understand. Marijki Ma, Ma, Ma Byland? Are you kids trying to play games? <laughs> Are you guys here to learn? You're trying to play games with your substitute teacher. Well, that's not happening. Today we're talking about Pee Wee Gaskins. Uh, this is math class, Mr. Parks. You'll learn what I'm teaching you. <laughs> Dro- Joel Griffith, uh, Grant Strack, Stephen Sinclair, Tyler Summers. Highfalutin Stephen Sinclair. 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 Not quite as bad as St. Clair. Not like that awful St. Clair from Riverdale. Ooh. Mm. Ugh. Listen to page seven for Riverdale Roundup. I haven't watched that show yet. <laughs> You'll hate it. Don't. You will hate it. <laughs> I heard. Not as much as I hate that movie Chappie, but that's a whole other thing. Got Tyler Summers, The Night Owl, Ooh. Chris Hayden, Jackie Marie, Chloe Kelch, Brett Marquette, Brock Eichhorst, Drew Keen, Jared, Gerard Walsh, Kendra Callison, Jack Reardon, and Sarah J. Mann. Oh, they okay. did that together. Mary-Kate Owens, Kate, Sarah Levy, Zach Harris, Catherine Ward, Jimmy Hunter, my recurrent psychosis, hmm. Zach Hardy, yeah. Adam Smith, and Yana Skurstengard. All right, psychosis, also a fun luchador wrestler. Emily Moulter, Richard Thomas, Skyler Holtkamp, Erica Femright, Joe Garner, Molly Jones, Lindsay Daniels, Heather McKenna, Mitch Jackson, Felicia Alvarez, Deborah Morose, Caitlin Murray, Kimber Veltry, Amanda Dysert, David Cedar, Jillian Obert, Thomas Moynihan, Carla Simpson, of a Junie Savlev. Let me see that. Let uh, no, me see it's that. right there. Uh, no, you don't get to. He's my name or her. I'm not sure. It's E V G U E N I. Okay. Uvagini. Uvagini. Yuvagini. Yeah, Yuvagini. S-A-V-E-L-I-E-V. Savaliv. There it is. Yuvagini. <laughs> Frank Beaton. Uh-oh. Dominic Fidanza. Dominic Fidanza. Kristen Zuccotti. Emily Ann McKamey. Emily Ann McKamey. <laughs> Kimberly oh, Price. Wow. I don't know. Just cannot. May we? Kimberly Price. Kenny Billings. Chris Mason. Ashley Williams, Evan James, S Y L W Lip. I don't know S Y L W Lip. Lee Lee Mernane, Samantha De Francesco, Samantha De Francesco. She sounds like she could be a New York Met. Uh, Lauren Cioli hmm. or Cioli, Nicole Van Doren, Christina Emery, Rachel Gregory, Robert Seaton Harris, Sid Early, Will Jones. Paige Geis, Morgan Riddell, Ashley O'Neill, Jonas Lanto, Jacob Barnard, Pleasing Terrors, and Haley <laughs> Krim. Hail yourselves. Thank you all so much. Audrey Escalante, you pledged $50, and that's incredible. Please keep doing it. <laughs> Cody Sullivan, James Spray, Vacant Village, Kim Gray, Sean Chenoweth, Levi Cox, Okidono. Shaikh Snyman, Mike Dorsey, Jacob Gunnar, Guchnur, Jaleel Ragab, Frank Line, James R. Hernandez, Jim Gannon, 
Ariel Teague, Aaron Page, Luis Knowles. Ooh, is that of the Knowles family? Probably. Please come and sponsor us. Please sponsor us. Beyonce? Are you talking about Beyonce? (laughs) I think so. Cool. Lindsey Daniels, David Cowood, Andrew Sparrow, Maggie M. Howell, Megan Kastner, Rianne Brown, Kinsley Bennett, the Mad Scientist podcast. They're also doing a thing with MUFON. I'm going to be talking with them back. They're, 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 they seem like a, a fun group of guys. All right. Alex Lopez, Sandra Nelson, Cade Bengart, TJ Anderson, Keller, Patrick White, HD Fart. <laughs> is it like HD, like, like his name is like Henry Donald? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's a good last name. Um, it is a good last name. Terry Sabella, Preston Chadwick. Oh, Preston. David Ludwig, Robin Cowfold, Patrick James, Jackson O'Brien, Alita Bautista, huh. Tyler Villauer, Emma Andrews, Emma Faulkner, and Alex McCullough. Hail Satan and thank you. Rounding it out, I got Savage Henry Independent Times. Oh. Uh. Laura Hines, John Pinnell, Barbie Wyman. She sounds like a lot of fun. Why? Barbie Wyman. Why not? I like it. Aubrey Daly, Chris Hively, Callan Oftedal, Erica Kathleen Sassy Squatch Colbath. Oh. <laughs> Teddy Joe Traphagen. Mm-hmm. Scott Michael mm. Sanderson, Sarah Burke. Mark Myers, Adam Maynard, Audra, Audrey Tripp, mm-hmm. Alex Martell, mm-hmm. Thomas McNett, uh-huh. Anna Taylor, Aaron, Ian C. Beltran, mm-hmm. PJ cool. Forstel, Caroline, Shane Michael Langenfeld, Maynard Payumo, Christine Gift, Jacob Hullett, Conrad Smith, Sean Colley, Polly Harvey, Travis Cudlin, Ooh, he sounds fun. He does sound fun. Cuddling. Dylan McCapes. <laughs> Phoebe Cam- Camarano. Tracy Murphy. Allison Gushwa. Emma Drummond. <laughs> Lee Miller. Nate Berger. Elkie Bruton. Hmm. Ben Gosney. Rob Murphy. Roger Rhodes. Lysander Hansen. Oh. Dathan Arbach. All right. Tessa Ali. Allie. Either Ali or Allie. Okay. And Regretta Garbo. Not a moment of regret a Garbo in us. I love it. <laughs> that is kind of fun. Well, thank you guys so much thank for your time. Yes, thank you all so much. We understand it. What a, uh, you know, no one is doing it great. So thank you. The fact that you that you support us economically is phenomenal. And I understand it. what a sacrifice that is. Um, so hail yourselves, everyone. Thank you all so much. Hail Satan, and thank you. And hail Gene, and thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast listen every monday wherever you get your podcasts emmy award-winning john mulaney presents everybody's in la a special run of six live episodes created by and starring mulaney that'll stream live on netflix during the netflix is a joke fest 
The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.